right, are you ready? <clears throat> so if, you are, if you're a family member in 24-7, you've been with us for a while, uh, hopefully you, you've heard a lot of what I'm going to say today. But if it's your first time, or maybe you've been with us just a couple of weeks or a month or whatever, uh, we want to really envision the house and ignite the house for what we believe God's called us to do. But I want to, from the outset, just say this. There is nothing unique about the vision of 24-7. What I mean is this. Every single church on the face of the earth should have the same vision, Jesus. It's Him. It's knowing Him intimately. It's making disciples. It's the presence of God. It's advancing the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And we've got to be very careful if we're looking for uh, uniqueness and edifying uniqueness above the Great Commission or above what we're all actually called to do. We all have unique expressions, but it's expressions of the same purpose. And so I want to also say this for your personal life. If you're sitting in the room this morning and you're looking for your purpose, I'll give it to you right now. Take out your pen and your piece of paper, I'll give it to you. Your purpose, the only thing that's going to sustain you, that's going to fulfill what's that empty space in your heart, it's to know Him. It's to know Him. And when you know Jesus, there's an overflow that comes from that. And the dream of heaven will come alive inside of your heart. And then there's unique expressions of that one thing. And so we as a house, we're committed to one thing. We're committed to the heart of Jesus. Uh, we want to see his dream in our, in our own personal lives, but also uh, across the earth. And Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a people that are his. He's coming back for lovers. He's not coming back for an organization. He's not coming back for an institution. And he's not coming back for a well-oiled machine. He's coming back for people who he loves. He's coming back for his family. He's coming back for his friends. Amen? So you want to be a friend of Jesus. You want to be his bride. And uh, if you're a man in the room and you're kind of intimidated with the whole bride thing, um, man, me too. But here we are. And if the girls have to be sons, we can be a bride, you know? <clears throat> anyway. So this morning, I, I want to give us just some tools and some vision and some practical things for the house. Um, but I also want to really solidify the direction and the heart of who we are as a house. Um, we had the privilege of, of this week... Uh, hosting circuit riders and fire and fragrance. We had a good time on Wednesday just worshiping the Lord and we went to support them on Friday night in Edenvale. Um, and it's so good to, to just be the body, to just love different expressions, to love each other well, to serve each other. And can I just say this? If we would come together around the, the main thing we agree on and not be divided by the small things we disagree on, I think we'll get a lot more done in the kingdom. Amen. But I do want to say this, there is a great need right now for the pure, potent message of the gospel of grace. And this is something that we as a house will not deviate from, we're not going to shift from it, we're going to preach the purity and the potency of the gospel of grace till Jesus comes back. And I'll tell you why, it's the only way to freedom, it's the only way to transformation, and it's the only way to see God's dream alive in our own hearts and on, and on the earth. And so before I get into the nuts and bolts of vision, I want to make something really clear for every single one of us. You are in desperate need of the cross. Desperate need. Like, there isn't a single person alive that doesn't desperately need salvation. And it doesn't matter where you think you rank on the scale of bad sin, you're bad. Like, apart from Jesus, you're the worst of the worst, and you can say, no, but I can, I can point out and so-and-so or this person or that person or that person in jail or whatever. You can do all that stuff. I promise you when it comes to eternity, you're the worst of the worst. You need him desperately. See, the relational consequences of sin on the earth is, is how we've decided to measure sin. But God doesn't measure sin like that. God measures sin as one tiny little thing that's not like him and you're eternally separated from him. So the Bible says that which is not a faith is sin. So if you, didn't, if you didn't have faith for a split second in your day, you're exactly the same as the mass murderer. Okay? I'm, I'm going somewhere. So what that means is this. The same way the mass murderer needs mercy, <laughs> so do you. The same way that the worst of the worst in our eyes needs grace, so do you. 
And the sooner we get to this place of realizing our desperate need for Jesus, the quicker we'll be able to receive his mercy, forgiveness, and grace, and then give it to others. See, the biggest struggle right now in the church is that I'm really grateful that God feels that way about me, but I certainly don't feel that way about others, and then others don't feel that way about me, so my experience in the church or on the earth is that the things we preach about with grace, I don't actually see in my relationships, right? Or I don't experience that from people. And so I think there's a great need for the message of grace to go from our heads to our hearts to actually our lives. And and I think it starts with us realizing more and more our own need for Him. Because if I realize just how much I've been forgiven, if I realize just how much He loves me, just how much He's given me mercy, just how much grace He's abundantly poured out over my life, then it, it frees me and enables me to give that to others. Now, that doesn't mean that we're a bunch of people that just pretend we put on masks, we don't know how to process, we don't know how to handle pain or trauma or any of those things. We just pretend everything's good. That's not what I'm talking about. But grace enables us to walk out mercy, forgiveness, and love in a way that is transforming us, maturing us, and taking us forward into Jesus. The beauty of grace is that it not only births something in your heart, but it carries you on the journey to the finish line. And then guess what? It's the finish line too. It starts with grace, it's carried by grace, and it ends with grace. The whole thing is His mercy. And the reason why this is so important as a house is because of this. He gets the glory when it's done that way. And, and I, I want to just say this. It's, there's a way to hype people up There's a way for me to hype you up this morning, to get you excited and stirred, and and it might even make you want to come to the next meeting. But it'll never sustain your day-to-day walk with Him. And it'll never change anything in your life. You need a personal relationship with Him. And I want to tell you this morning, you cannot have it until you receive His mercy. So here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Jesus breaks into time as the perfect sacrifice, and he takes past, present, and future sin upon himself. So if he, if he took past, present, and future, he had to break into time to take everything upon himself, then leave time and conquer it once and for all, right? How does he take future if he doesn't leave time? The Bible says that he was slain before the foundations of the world. So it means that he left time and conquered sin and death, took the keys of hell, came back into time and birthed a people for his own possession by his spirit. So when Jesus died on the cross, you were there. And you go, that's just, that's ludicrous. That's insane. It's outrageous, let me tell you. It's absolutely wild. You were there. Because if you, by faith, were crucified with him, Jesus didn't say, hey, he didn't just say, I was crucified for you. He said, you were crucified with me. Paul writes, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. So what Paul's saying is I identify with the moment of his death and his resurrection. Which means somewhere between between where Jesus breathed his last and where Jesus came back to life, in that space where he left time, where he died, and then conquered death and hell, you were there. Colossians describes and says he put on as a public spectacle, he triumphed over the principality, strongholds, and the enemy. He, you were with Jesus, ruling and reigning as he conquered death and the grave. You were there. I'll tell you why that's good news. Because if you were there, you're actually free and saved. And there's victory for your life. So when Jesus was raised to new life and he put his spirit inside of us, we now have the spirit of Jesus in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now inside of you. So your Christian life has nothing to do with you getting it right. Your holiness has nothing to do with whether you're sinning or not. Okay. (laughs) Hear me. Your holiness, your holiness, your righteousness has nothing to do with whether you're sinning or not sinning. So we don't need a holiness movement right now that's telling everybody to get your act together and if you haven't confessed your sin, you're stuffed. 
Hey, if you're, not, if you're not exposing your sin, if you're not pouring out your sin, if you're not confiding in other people and sharing all your sins, confessing every sin, again, I've said this a million times, which ones? How many? Because if our Christianity and our freedom is going to be centered around exposing our sins, well, make sure you're keeping track of every single second of every day because it just takes a thought and you missed it. There's 613 laws, 10 commandments. If you miss one, you miss them all. That's, that is the standard of righteousness. You'll never meet it. Never, never, never. And God didn't give it to us for us to meet it. He didn't give the law for you to meet the law. He gave the law to say, you'll never get this, and I didn't design you to do it in your own strength. You were meant to eat from the tree of life so you could be in me and like me and with me forever. I didn't make man to prove yourself. I already proved it. This is the heart of God. So now Jesus comes back and he's going, I am the tree of life. Eat from me, my righteousness. What you receive from me, you'll become. The greatest issue in the church today is not a holiness problem. It's a receiving problem. We're not receiving what Jesus has freely given us, even in the supernatural. We're contending for the supernatural, but Jesus said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you've received, so freely give. So the, the key to the church, being the church and operating what God's given us, is first to freely receive so that we can freely give. So today, I can lay out vision and strategy and say, listen, here's the plan, and it's going to be awesome, whatever, and you can get really psyched up and want to come back next Sunday. But I'm actually not too concerned about that. What I'm really burning in my heart for is I'm going, we must, must, must be standing on the firm foundation of the finished work of Jesus. We need the gospel alive in our hearts. I don't want to fill this room with unbelieving converts. If we're going to fill rooms and, and fill the nations, I want to see disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, that know who they are in Christ, are walking in their identity. That when you make a disciple, you make one that's a grace disciple. It's the gospel. And I'm so tired of, because there were people who abused grace, it breaks my heart that now people go like, well, hey, that grace movement, this, the grace movement, that. The grace movement is Jesus. And, and whatever you want to call this weird thing that they say, hyper grace, grace is hyper. It's, there's only one thing. It's hyper, super abundant, oh my gosh, ridiculous, crazy grace. I'm, a, I'm as hyper as you're going to get. But here's the thing. People are preaching a message that doesn't, it's not Jesus-centered, it's me-centered, and they call it grace. So just don't go there. Just don't call it grace. It's not grace. It's perversion. It's stupid. But let's not nail grace and go, you know, we need less grace preachers, we need less, this, less, stop it. We need more grace. The church is grace deficient. Now what we're doing is we think it's impressive. We're calling people up, come, confess your sin. Come and throw all your junk up at the front like it's a holy, beautiful picture. And God's going, that breaks my heart. Stop telling people to come and pour out their brokenness and their sin and expose themselves. Stop. Why? He's in love with people. Let's get people running to the front going, he's standing at the front going, I love you. Come to me. There's relationship. There's intimacy. There's an adventure in Jesus. Lay down your old life. Who cares about all the junk? Run to Jesus. And that altar call, man, the church is crying out for that right now. Because you know what? You leave that meeting going, oh my word, super abundant, hyper crazy wild grace is mine. God loves me. He set me apart. He chose me. He conquered my sin. He's not asking me to prove myself. He already did. Now I'm just walking, following him. He's filled me with fire. He's filled me with passion. See, if I know how much I'm loved, of course I want you to know how much you're loved. Now I'm not walking around the church looking for who to call out and say, hey, you need to get holy. You need to fix this, do that. You know what? You need an accountability partner. Let's meet every week and lick each other's wounds. No, like if we, if, it doesn't matter what we do as a church, if we, do, if we don't do this, we're wasting our time. We're carrying the gospel. What's the vision of 24-7 church? We want to be carriers of the gospel. Do you know that in our worship, the sound that 24-7 carries, it's the beauty of Jesus. That's what it is. It's the beauty of Jesus. It's all we want to do is just go like, when we get together in a room like this and we start to worship, 
the beauty of Jesus is released in the room and everyone goes, holy. That's it. There's nothing else. We have no other desire. It doesn't have to be impressive. It doesn't have to be wild. It's just him. Because the beautiful thing is this. If, if today, if you'll do one thing and just say, I want the heart of God. I want his dream. I want his heart. Forget my life. Forget everything else. I just want his heart. I just want his dream. Watch what happens to your life. You don't need me to stand up here and give you strategy. What you need is to get on fire for Jesus. And the way you do that is by receiving the fire that's in his eyes already when he looks at you. See, if you'll know and receive how passionate Jesus is for you, when you receive that passion, it's his zeal for his house that now takes a hold of you. Now you're, you're sustained by a zeal and a passion that you didn't manufacture. You received it. Amen? Amen. So the reason why the church is called 24-7 Church is because it's not a brand, it's not a movement, it's not any, any of that. It's, it's, we want to be what Jesus wants all the time, right? We want to be his church 24-7, 365 till Jesus comes. That's, that's right woven into the DNA of this house. And so one of the things that I've been praying about this week is these Sunday gatherings, it's like, our, it's like our main family moment. It's like we're all sitting at the dinner table together. And we're, we're encouraging each other, equipping each other, sharing. We worship, we, we talk to the Father, we receive from Him. And I, the Lord's given me metrics of success, if I can call it that. New metrics of success. How are we going to measure what's success? What's a successful gathering? Is a successful gathering that it's packed out? Is a successful gathering that, uh, you know, hey, everyone, the vibe and the hype was high and it was like, man, you left feeling really stoked. Uh, the message was good. Worship was good. What are, the, what are the measurements of success? One of the main ones for me is this. Number one, was God pleased? And then number two, did he speak? Because when we come together like this, we're actually coming to hear the voice of God, to be stirred, strengthened, and encouraged together so that when you leave this room, you actually shine. Otherwise, it's just a good service, and, and then really it is just the church trying to survive and make sure that we get enough people in the room so we look like we're doing a good job. High five. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good week. No. We want to see lives filled with Jesus, making disciples in our city and in the nations. Amen. So I want to say this. Attending on a Sunday is a beautiful thing, but God wants to shift you from attending to actually engaging in the activity and the, the, the vibrancy and the life of the family. Now, that doesn't mean, okay, tell me what the midweek activities are. <laughs> I'm attending on the weekend, so if I, if I need to engage, that means what's happening in the midweek. No, it's more than that. It's, there are people around you right now that you can run with, that you can do life with, that you can have coffees and dinners and encourage each other and strengthen each other. And as you're making disciples of others, they're meeting your family members. And together, you're beginning to build this culture of the kingdom in your life. And then by the time they come to a gathering like this, they actually already know five to 10 people of the family because you're doing life together. They've been in your living room multiple times before they've been in this room. And this is the beauty of the church, is that it's alive, it's vibrant, it's dynamic. You are the church, the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere you go. And when we gather together like this, it reminds me of my, my Syrian friend where he said, what's it like? What's it like when hundreds get together and they're all singing? And they're all worshiping at the same time. And they're all listening to the word at the same time. Now we get together and what, what happens is it's little pictures and tastes and expressions of heaven on the earth. Amen. And so I want to say this. There's a rhythm of life that we as a community are called to live. If you, if you study the church in Acts, it, it really amazes me because they weren't just gathering on the weekend. They were gathering daily at the temple and in each other's homes. So you go, well, is it house churches or is it big gatherings? It's both. It's always been both. It's always been Big gatherings and small gatherings and two people at a coffee shop and 500 people in a meeting. And it's, it's so alive and dynamic. It's not the method, it's the man. But there's a rhythm. And so every day at certain times, you would see 
they gathered or they went to the prayer time. or they, and, and this is what I want to say. Your relationship with God and your commitment to his dream needs to alter, change, and transform what your life looks like. Think about that. Your yes to Jesus needs to change what your life looks like. Because I was living one way for one thing, then I died to myself, died with Christ, was raised into newness of life, and I'm living for a new way and a new thing. His dream, his heart. So the expression of my life has changed, the rhythm of my life has changed, my values have changed, and why I do what I do has changed. So I want to ask you the question and say, Has your life changed? Not because you're getting it right, because you're living for something different. You hear me? And so you see them do this, and and I love it. It's like Peter and John, they're on their way to prayer. And they see the the crippled man get beautiful. And God does this incredible miracle. Now we go like, incredible miracle, that's amazing. But do you realize that they were on their way to prayer? (laughs) They were in a rhythm of life. Can I, can I challenge you and say, are the things that you've said yes to for your life right now stopping you from that rhythm of life in the kingdom? Because then I would question what you value most. And I say that with a smile on my face with joy because it convicts me right to the core going like, wow, okay. God, what are the things I value and how will I cultivate this rhythm of life with me and Jesus in the secret place, smaller groups of discipleship, and then together as the house in our gatherings. Is there a rhythm in my life? And I believe that gatherings anchor us in a rhythm. Do you get what I'm saying? Isaiah 61, from verse 1 to 3, you can go there. We want to see Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, fulfilled in the lives of individuals, families, cities, and regions. Everyone hear that? What we're about to read, we want to see that in every individual, in every family, in cities, and in regions. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from from confinement and condemnation to the captives, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance and retribution of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them a turban instead of dust, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. So they will be called trees of righteousness. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice, and right standing with God. They shall be called the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You can read these verses. Now, this is what Jesus came. He read this out in Nazareth and said, hey, today this has been fulfilled, and everyone freaked out. Jesus was saying, this is what my anointing is. This is, what, this is what I'm here to do. But I want to encourage you. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Meaning, Isaiah 61, it's your mandate. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, it's the anointing of Jesus upon you. When you're being the hands and feet of Jesus, this is what it's going to look like. So as a church, we carry a mandate, Isaiah 61, in the lives of individuals, families, cities, and nations. And the, the day is coming when we will see this established across the earth. Amen? Amen. And so, I would challenge you and just say this. Make sure that you're not adding the kingdom to your life. Make sure that you're not adding God's vision to your vision. I'm so sorry if that's disappointing. But it's disappointing for a little while till you figure out it's the best news you've ever heard. Because your vision for your life, I hate to break it to you, as good as it may seem, it sucks. 
and you'll never be fulfilled, you'll never be happy, and there'll always be the next thing. But God, his plans and purposes, his vision for your life, it's what you're made for. And you will never feel fulfilled and satisfied until you're living in that one thing. And so if you'll give yourself to this, you will see this thing, this vision for his heart and his dream begin to redesign your life. And I want to I challenge us as a house and say, can we allow the dream of God to redesign our lives? We're, we're living in a world and society that's so loud with so many voices and so many distractions and so many expectations and pressures and demands, and it all is and seems important, but it's not the most important. See, the enemy is really, he's smart. He's not going to throw something at you that's not important. Why would you listen to that? But he will come at you from every angle with all the important things that feel so important that it'll get you to question the one thing. Is it really worth it to say no to that and yes to Jesus? Or, you know what, Jesus is so kind and, and merciful. It's okay, he understands. So, you know, I'm doing my best. And this is the beautiful thing. That's true. He's so merciful and kind, he holds you in the midst of that. But you will never be fulfilled and satisfied until you're living in the expression of his dream and his heart in your life. You get that? I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to share a few practical things and then just to get you excited for the year and then I'll end with a gospel blast thing. Um, so we've been praying as a house and we had this prophetic word that came in 2022 and um, it was actually a friend, Sylvia introduced me to him, Todd McDowell. And uh, he, said, he said this beautiful line. He said, I, I release you from the obligation to be like any other church. And I was like, whoa. And then it ties up with another uh, prophetic word we got from a, a pastor friend of ours years ago. And he said this, 24-7 will reintroduce uh, Jesus to his bride that there was actually coming this refreshing revelation of who Jesus is, that we would reintroduce him to his church, that there's been these false ideas and, and, and false understandings and pictures of who he was, and 24-7 was coming to say, hey, this is who he is. Now that, like, we need mercy for that, right? But I think about these things, I think about these words, and it, it's brought us to a place as a leadership to go, we do not want to do things for the sake of doing things. There's a, there is plenty churches in our city that I love dearly, that are doing amazing work. There's churches all over the place doing many different things. And we are not here to just be another church in the city. Amen? Like, we're not looking to just be another church in the city. We, we want to be obedient to the leadership of Jesus in this house, in our lives. And so... As we began to pray, we, we, we know very clearly that the Lord has called us to be an apostolic community. What that means is to be sent ones, sent in what we do here in our city, sent in our nation, sent into the nations of the earth, carrying the culture of the kingdom of heaven. We know that God's called us to live in a priestly rhythm of life, meaning worship and prayer is central to everything that we do. Why? Because that's where we hear Him. Amen. And we know that God's called us to be a people that care about the globe, that care about our city, yes, about those in front of us, but also about those on the other side of the world who have little to no access to the gospel. So these are key things. And so as we've been praying about what our community rhythm looks like, what these gatherings look like, we've come up with some practical things which are all launched from February. But God's spoken some big things, like we're running our second global mission school that starts in March. And this, this time... It's, we have more people that are not a part of 24-7 doing the school online, whereas the first one, obviously, the majority of us were doing that. So we had 37 or 39 students last time. Now applications are open, and majority of them are coming from all over the country and doing it online, okay? And just to tell you, we had our dear friends who lead a church in, in Middleburg. Um, I think it was eight of them did the, the GMS school with us. Now they've just launched a school in Middleburg. So what God's doing here is beginning to multiply in the nation and will multiply into the nations. So next week I'll be helping them launch the same version of what we're doing here. They're doing something there to mobilize Middleburg. That God's going to send people from Middleburg. So can you see that what God wants to do in this house is he wants us to model something that can be replicated, that can be multiplied, that can be reproduced, Okay. So as we're praying about this, we know that we want to train, we want to send, we want to be anchored and centered around the presence of Jesus. Um, and so this is what 2024 is going to look like in terms of community rhythm. On Wednesday nights, the first three Wednesdays of every month, we're all going to gather here. 
and we're going to have, we're calling it the sanctuary. And it's just going to be this. You come here on a Wednesday, there's going to be food and pizza and coffee and stuff, so you come early, have that. We fellowship together. Then we get in here and we dive into the presence of the Lord. It's going to be encounter. It's going to be prayer. It's going to be worshiping. First three Wednesdays of the month. The last Wednesday of every month is living rooms. And this is where we're going to be. It's like our home groups. We've just shifted focus a little bit. We're going to be meeting the last Wednesdays of every month in the homes doing the same thing, but now connecting together on a smaller level where we're able to actually pray into each other's lives and connect and, and, and build that way. Are you with me? On the first Fridays of every month, Gen Z, we're going after Gen Z. We're going to get into this room. We're going to go for it. We're going to go after encounters. We're going to mobilize Gen Z. Uh, and we're actually going to equip them to lead their own living rooms. So the rest of the month, they're going to be leading their own teams uh, at their houses or wherever they want to meet. Um, I'll open my house if they want to come meet there. Uh, and they're going to lead their own home groups and make disciples. Uh, I just wait for you to get excited. <laughs> we have men's ministry, ladies' ministry, all those things that are going to happen. And we're going to really go after discipleship on a healthy, beautiful level. But we want to anchor our lives in this rhythm of encounter, prayer, worship, and then seeing it expressed in closer proximity in the homes and in discipleship. On the last weekend of every month, this one I'm really excited about, the last weekend of every month, this will start only in February, uh, instead of the Sunday morning, we will do a Saturday night service. And the reason why we're going to do this is we're, we're actually going to open up for the city. So we're going to say the last weekend of every month, we won't meet Sunday morning, we'll meet Saturday night, but it's a service for the city. We want to serve our city. We want to worship together. We want to go after encounters. It'll be a place where other pastors and leaders and people can come and also get refreshed. Uh, we want to serve our city well. So the last service of every month will be geared around serving our city and releasing uh, just the message of the gospel, but also worship into the city. So that means normal Sundays, the first three or whatever it is, uh, Sundays of the month, the last one, that Sunday will be a rest, Sabbath. So we will encourage you to be with your families, but you come on the Saturday night, we're going to have huge blowout services and go for it. There'll still be kids' facilities and all those things. Um, so yeah, excited about that. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Yeah, they're clapping on their drive all the way from Val, where is it? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. So we're going to do that. We have more invitations than we know what to do with in terms of going into the nations, and uh, we're really praying about how to steward that well. Um, we, we want to train and send. Uh, we're, we're taking a big team to uh, Eurasia in April for 50 hours of prayer and worship. Um, if you don't know, we helped plant a church in Botswana, our dear friends Dave and Liesel, um, and Sadiba Life Church. It means the well of life. Uh, and so we have partnership relationship with them. We're going to be building, sending teams, helping them more. Uh, they've been doing so well. They've really grown into a really beautiful community. But something else that's, that's exciting, which we as a house can take ownership of and begin to pray into, is that for about two years, the Lord's really been speaking about a collaboration of churches around the presence of the Lord and around the Great Commission. That's not a network or a whatever, a denominational thing. It's literally relational collaboration around hosting the presence of Jesus and obeying the Great Commission. And so we've been praying into it. We've got, about, I think there's six, seven, seven pastors now that are really in on this and want to run together. And so we are going to launch something called Rendezvous, which literally just means gather. Uh, and so we're, we're launching this collaboration this year. We'll have our first annual rendezvous conference in August, where we'll have six or seven churches, maybe more by then, all coming here together to be with us. We'll have different speakers from different churches. We'll be hearing how God's moving in their communities, how we're collaborating together to begin to work into the nations. So suddenly it goes from nice 24-7 in Joburg and what God's doing to, oh, actually the church that Jesus is building is touching the nations, including our own. So we want to make sure that our vision is big. We're seeing what God's doing. So that's happening this year. Um, we have a 1040 conference. The reason why it's called 1040 is because of the 1040 window. That's where all the unreached people, well, 97% of them are. We have Randy Martinez. He leads Maps Global uh, in America. He's been 
working with us and, and we work with their teams in the 1040 window. He's going to be here with us for that conference, 22nd to the 24th um, of March. And what we're praying is that not only for 24-7, but for churches in the city of Joburg, that we would be commissioned for the Great Commission that we would be set on fire to be obedient to what God's called us to do. So it's free. You don't have to. There'll be like donations and things. We'll try and take up offerings, but it's free. So you can invite everybody who want to pack the place out. I think we have to max it out somewhere so there'll be a registration, but it's free. Um, And that's also, again, just a step forward to say what God's doing in the house. We want to open to the city and say God is mobilizing his church for something so much bigger than just us. Amen? Amen. Um, I want to encourage you, if you... If you would lean in and just pray and ask the Lord, we're needing more volunteers for our kids, our kids' ministry. Um, we're looking at a really awesome uh, curriculum and, and, and ways to disciple our kids well. We want to disciple our kids uh, in the revelation of who Jesus is so that they already at a young age are walking in deep intimacy with him and also are going after signs, wonders, and miracles because their faith is wild. Um, in fact, it was... I think it was last Sunday, someone came up to me and was talking about how one of our kids had a word of knowledge for them the first time they walked into the church, which is really beautiful. Um, so we're excited about that. And the rest of it you'll get on a newsletter for February. <laughs> so we have a, a beautiful team of people that volunteer their time and, and give so much, and I really want to honor them as well. Um, a lot of what's happening in our community is done by volunteers, um, and that really moves my heart. Uh, our media stuff, all of that. It's just such a joy. And so you're going to get newsletters and information. We'll be putting all that stuff out. Um, But if you can just try and and hear what I'm saying this morning and go, all of these things that are going to help us anchor our lifestyle, it's beautiful. But you don't need me or a structure or an organization to make you do something. That's the furthest thing from the heart of what God wants in his church. The vision of 24-7 church is the presence of Jesus, that we would know him and make him known. If you, if you need clarity on that, you can go find vision statements and values and all those things on the website. It would be good for you to do that. But I really felt like today, you know, I, I was sitting yesterday like planning a PowerPoint, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the clickety-click, and here's the vision thing. And I just can't do it. And I'll tell you why, because you're my family. Like, this is not, I'm not the CEO of 24-7 Incorporated. Like, dear Lord, no. But this is a family, and we're following Jesus together. We're going after Jesus together. And so when I pray, I go, okay, God, give me fire for the vision. You know what I get fired up about? Seeing the grace of God transform people's lives. And if you will anchor yourself in that, you'll begin to see how community life, you were made to follow Jesus together. And maybe you're sitting in this room today and you're like, man, I don't really know these people very well. Then my challenge to you is get plugged into the community. Find ways to connect. If you need to change your weekly rhythms, change them. Like some of you need to take, take a little pause at the start of the year, check your plans and what you've said yes to, look at the structure of your year and say, what have I said yes to that God didn't ask me to? Like you need to guard your yes because it's really powerful. Right at the center of, of what we're doing as a house is this simple thing, a surrendered, yielded yes. It's all it's going to take. God is looking for surrender, for a yielded heart that will just say yes to what he wants. He'll do the rest. Just because it's good doesn't always mean it's God. He's good. And God's ways are always good. But sometimes things come at us that seem good. doesn't mean it's him. It would be really good to make sure that as you start this year out, look at the decisions you're making in your life and make sure you're hearing him. Submit to the leadership of Jesus. I saw this really funny reel. Sorry, distraction. But it's a funny real way. Um, this guy was saying, hey, there's no unanswered prayers. And the guy was like, well, no, that's, that's not true. Like, God's, God hasn't answered so many of my prayers. And he says, no, he, he answered all of them. He's like, there's no ways. So the whole point of this reel is that when God says no, we think he's not answering. <laughs> we ask God a question. He says no. And we're like, why is he ignoring me? Sometimes we're praying and we're going after things like, God, I have this strategy and I really want to hear if this is you. And what we're really saying is, God, say yes. <laughs> and then he doesn't say yes and we can't hear no because we've already decided for God what we want him to say. But actually, let's surrender to him. Let's yield to him. And can I, can I, can I ask you to be this brave? If the Lord says no to something that you think is good for your life, 
Maybe, just maybe, he's actually so good, he's got something better. Not maybe, it's true. I'm just. You can have such confidence in him because of the goodness of God that when he says no to something, or when he asks you to say no to something that you thought was actually really for you, you can be 100% certain that what he has for you is better. It might not look the same, but it's better for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. So God wants us to redesign our lives around him, around his gospel. And if you look at every single person in the New Testament, I love this, study the disciples, look at Paul. Like what I love about Paul is he actually didn't walk with Jesus in person. He's like you and me, he had an encounter. And look at his life. But here's the thing about their lives, everything changed. The way they lived their lives changed. What they gave themselves to changed. And you know what's funny? When Paul needed to go make tents, because there wasn't enough funds for him to keep doing the missionary work. He didn't change the direction, focus, and purpose of his life because, well, the money wasn't there. He went and made tents so that he could keep doing what he's meant to do. My point is this. If you'll just, if you'll just set it in your life, set the vision, set the direction, set your purpose, it's him. There's nothing else, it's him. And let everything else fall into place. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Watch what happens. And, and I love what Jason Yancey was saying. There's this dependence that comes, and I believe that dependency is the way of the Christian. It is the way of a follower of Christ. You don't have to know. You don't have to have it all planned out. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like even right now, maybe the Lord's delivering some control freaks. <laughs> I'm one of them. Like the Lord, he's saying, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just need to have a heart that's yielded and surrendered to me. Are you with me? Maybe some of you are like, hey, we came to Vision Sunday expecting to hear the vision statement, the mission statement, the whatever. It's on our website. Go get it. But can I just say this? I can't remember who, who said this quote, but it said, culture eats vision for breakfast. And I'll tell you why. Who we are as a family will take us way beyond what we can see. The culture that God's building in this family of valuing the presence of God, being obedient to the Great Commission, making disciples, loving Jesus, doing life together, living that surrendered yes to Jesus, those things will carry us way beyond whatever we think God has set us out to do. And I can, I can sit here and, I mean, I've got mind maps coming out of my ears of, you know, five bases in the 1040 window and this and that and all these things you want to do and more church plants and like, that's, I love that stuff. But the reality is this, the grace of God, the message of the gospel today is doing something in my heart and God's moving on the earth. And he wants us in on that. So some of you are in business, some of you are in universities, some of you are in school, some of you are um, teachers, some, whatever it is, so many different spheres of influence. And I almost want to say this. It's like our vision is Jesus and his vision is you. He is so intensely and passionately in pursuit of his bride. We're so intensely and passionately in pursuit of him. And in that collision is where we change the world. You get what I'm saying? So we're called to be a grace people carrying the fire of the gospel to our city to the ends of the earth. And when we get together, see, here's the crazy thing. When you get to a place where you actually believe the grace of God, where you actually believe you've been forgiven, His mercy is new every morning, His grace is sufficient, you're covered, set free, doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter what kind of day, what kind of week you've had, you come in and you go, I'm right with God. I'm not trying to enter in, I'm in. Feelings follow faith. So just because I can't feel him doesn't mean he's not here. I just believe it. I'm here. I'm in. He loves me. Nothing can separate me. So because I'm here, I have this expectancy and this confidence that God's on the move in my heart and in my community and in my city. Now, when we all come together and gather that way, you can expect the glory of the Lord. Because from that very first chord or that very first welcome or whatever it is, everybody's locked into the one thing because our DNA our vision, the very heartbeat of the church, it's Him. And we're not going to deviate from that. We're not going to move from it. 
And uh, I had a friend contact me this week. He had this word for me, and he just said, I hear the Lord saying, empower, empower, empower. And I was like, okay, cool. And then he shifted. He's like, no, empower my people to be messengers of the grace of God. And I, I'm telling you, I believe that what God's going to do in 24-7 is he's equipping and empowering us in everything that we do to live it out, to carry that message, to embody the gospel of, of grace and watch how God's going to change our own lives, but also how he's going to change the world around us. You're, you're wired for it. You're born for that. Are you with me? And I'm, I'm excited. Our prayer this year is to try and get some of our friends from the nations here so that they, you can actually see them and, and hear them. And, and I think what I'm most excited about with Rendezvous and gathering these collaborating churches is to hear the different sounds and expressions but people have the same heart people who are in pursuit of the presence of Jesus and in pursuit of his kingdom on the earth. If you're sitting here today and you're looking for motivation, you're looking for inspiration, you're looking for, for fire for this year, you're going like, man, I just, I'm just feeling flat. I just need, I need like passion, something to hold to. I want to I encourage our hearts and, and challenge us a little bit this morning and just say, if you'll just do the simple thing of, of really leaning into receiving the fullness of what Jesus has done, it will take you and carry you far beyond anything you're able to stir in your own heart or life. The gospel is not the grind. It's not the independent, you can do it, you just work hard, you can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. Let me just pop that bubble for you right now. I don't care what social media handle, what, what social media account you listen to. It said you can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. No, you can't. But you can be everything that God says you are. You can be everything that Jesus has paid for. You can be everything that he's ordained and set you apart to be. And that's what everybody around you is looking for. It's that answer, and that's you. Amen? So won't you stand this morning... Not on the glass, but... <laughs> I want you to picture something. Your life, fully yielded, given to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, Walking in daily, daily encounters with him. I want you to just, you can close your eyes. Just picture this for a second. This is you. You know him. He talks to you. He speaks to you. You're alive, full of the fire of the gospel. You can't get enough of him, and you want the whole world to know who he is. And so you're sharing it with your friends, with work colleagues. Everywhere you go, you're just this light. There's something about you. It's love. People meet you and they experience love and mercy and forgiveness and they're so undone they don't even know what to do with it. And so they begin to ask you questions. How can you live this way? What is it about you? What makes you so different? What's this look in your eyes? And suddenly you've, you're sitting in your lounge and you've got five people that don't know Jesus sitting there asking you questions. And before you know it, you're actually making disciples of Jesus. People are encountering God through your life. And so then that Sunday, they come to a gathering and they walk into a room and that same crazy fire they saw in your eyes, they now see it in 200 other people's eyes. And suddenly they get sucked into the dream of God, the heart of the Father for His children. And now we begin to fill homes and fill rooms and fill businesses and schools and universities and everything that we do, even in our corporate weekend gatherings, we begin to fill spaces with the dream of God a people for his own possession, a bride for his glory, a body for his name. Your life, your little yielded yes, carries that kind of potential. There was a martyr, and I think it was the 1600s, that was quoted saying this, Lord, take my life like a burning torch and throw it into the night. That's your little life. Like a burning torch 
that God throws into the night, into the darkness, but it's a wildfire for his glory. And so your yes and my yes and our yes together to his dream, it's going to change our world, our city, and the nations of the earth. And so Holy Spirit, today we thank you that we are not an institution or an organization. We're not a business. We're a family. And we're your family. And this is your house. And we remind our hearts this morning that you are the vision. Your dream, your heart is what we're after. We're in pursuit of you. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would divinely impart fresh fire, the fire of the gospel, into every person. Lord, I silence the voice of the accuser that has tried to cause any one of us to feel unworthy or to second guess. But God, today we stand in the finished work of Jesus with excitement, with joy, that Jesus, you are building your church. We want to be a part of what you're doing right here in our city and in the nations. And so Holy Spirit, I ask, ignite 24-7 with the dream of God. Teach us how to receive your heart. Teach us how to receive your voice. Lord, I thank you that you would show every single one of us how beautiful and how precious our yes to you is. That you're not looking for perfection because you're already perfect, but you're looking for our surrendered, yielded yes. And so in our hearts as individuals and then as a family, we just say yes to you today. Yes to your dream, yes to your heart. And this year, God, thank you that we want to we fall more in love with you. We want to grow in the revelation of Jesus. We want to host your presence. And we want to see the nations filled with the gospel and filled with worship. Lord, thank you for this house. I, I really do just pray such blessing over every single one of us. God. I release the fullness of the heart of God that we would walk in deep intimacy, deep encounters, and a deep trust, a deep knowing that you're faithful, that your hand is upon our lives, that you never leave us, never forsake us, you never lift your hand off of our lives. God, I ask right now for an impartation of confidence, confidence in God, confidence in the finished work of God. And Lord, from the youngest to the older, set us on fire this morning, we pray. It's not a feeling, but by faith, we step into the reality that you've paid for. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. Thank you for what you've done. And God, we're excited for what's coming. We're excited for what's ahead. We're excited to, to grow as a family, to see many more people saved, many more people healed, delivered, set free, transformed, that you would place the lonely in family. God, we pray right now for all those in our lives that you're going to use us to reach, and we call them home, God. We thank you that you would bring lost sons and daughters home to Abba Father, to a good father, and also to a family that represent your heart well. And we pray, Jesus, this is a dangerous prayer, but we pray it with all our heart. Make a holy example out of us, God. I release the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the love of the Holy Spirit right now over this room and over every person. And we just we consecrate ourselves, we set ourselves apart, we say, come Holy Spirit, lead us. This is your house. Have your way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. So before we, we go, um, you'll get communications. We'll send out very nice-looking newsletters with all the information and things and, and just community life. Uh, that will all start from February. Um, but I want to encourage you this week to lean in and maybe invite someone for dinner in 24-7 that you haven't had dinner with or a coffee or a phone call or check in and, and maybe step out of your comfort zone and begin to build relationship, build family uh, with those in this community. Is that okay? Love you. Bless you. Thank you for being here today. Have a beautiful afternoon and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you guys.